They're Ben and Aaron And they love sharing About their love for Jesus And food covered in cheeses Weird news, history, sports regaled From a generation raised playing Oregon Trail National celebrations almost every day There's only one thing I have to say Don't you point or stare At their lack of hair Yes, they're follically challenged So sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad Get out of here, Baldy Get out of here, Baldy If you don't know what I mean Read 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 23 Get out of here, Baldy Get out of here, Baldy If you don't know what I mean If you don't know what I mean Come and take a listen to your two bald kings Blessed be, Baldy buddies and welcome to another episode of the Get Out of Here, Baldy podcast. God, that felt so good, Ben. <laughs> You've been sitting on that uh, for a little oh. bit. <laughs> Blessed be. That's the one. It, it got the alliteration. It sounds spiritual. I just, I'm digging it. That's I'm your host, Aaron Michaud. I'm joined by, as always, Pastor Ben Hitsfield. Brother, how are you doing? Doing, doing as well be. as can oh. be. No, I, I think that's great. I, it, it really rings in my ears, so I can only assume that the Baldy sure Buddies... i did. I yelled it in the microphone a little bit. Sorry, folks. I'll try to edit that down a little bit. <laughs> That is awesome. Yeah, taking a day excited. off today and um, and just uh, getting a few things done around the house, doing some shopping. Uh, Sam's Club has become a Monday thing for me now, so I, mm. I feel like it's if I don't go to Sam's on a Monday, it's it's a weird it's a weird day. So, do you eat over there? No, I haven't done that yet. I I don't know. I usually I have something else in my mind on Mondays to eat on my day off, mm. and so well, I'm not opposed to going and doing it. Every, you know, at some point, uh, you know, just like when you're out and about, but not on Mondays, not on my day mm. off meal. So I mean, it's like every time I go in there, it's like I see a dollar fifty for like a hot dog yeah. and a coke, and I'm like, I mean, yeah, I'm losing money, right? If I don't. <laughs> Now, what do you, do you guys have? Costco or Sam's or both down there? So up in Springfield, we got both. And okay. so Sarah, I think she moved. So our Sam's Club thing was up, and she moved yeah. back to Costco. Went to Costco. So understand. I, it, it, hey, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, I probably yeah. would do the same thing, but uh, I do like their clothing selection. I got jeans yeah. from Costco, and okay. I'm like, these things are more comfortable than sweatpants. Nice. Okay. That's amazing. I'm going to have to remember that next time I'm at a Costco. So that's awesome. But there you go. Well, we got a Baldy of the Week. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is good. And one. it is, I, I, some of the pictures, I, again, I might be cheating, but he's balding. <laughs> he is balding. Yeah. I've, I've seen pictures. Usually don't, yeah. Anyways, but yeah, I think anyway, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So I, again, if you guys want to take issue, he doesn't have this, a full set of hair. I mean, that, that's, can, that's in right. My mind, so. He's well on his way. And it depends on the pictures mm-hmm. that you see, too. So here we go. But it is St. Right. Nicholas. Yeah. St. Nicholas of yeah. Mira, also known as Nicholas of Berry, was an early Christian bishop of Greek descent from the maritime city of Mira in Asia Minor during the time of the Roman Empire. Because of the many miracles attributed to his intercession, he is also known as Nicholas the Wonder Worker. St. Nicholas is the patron saint of sailors, merchants, archers, repentant thieves, children, brewers, pawnbrokers, unmarried people, and students in various series and wow. countries around Europe. Wow. His reputation evolved among the pious and was common for early Christian saints, and his legendary habit of secret gift-getting gave rise to the traditional model of Santa Claus. Yes. And so all good old Saint Nick. I thought we'd talk a little bit about him. And I know there's a lot of, as I researched, just lore around him. So it's hard to know what like what's true, what's legend, or all those different things. Yeah. But the thing that struck me was what he's the patron saint of. Mm-hmm. And so, what did you think of that list? Yeah, it's he's like the junk drawer patron saint. I mean, it's like it's like every every like all the weird odd stuff that you don't know who to attribute that to. You just they just give it to Saint Nick. And there's a lot of like really a lot of riffraff in that list. <laughs> oh, a lot of riffraff! Like this is all the people that we look sideways at when they come into church. 
right? That's that's what I really liked about the list. I'm like, this guy probably would have liked Jesus. (laughs) I would think so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I think it really, it sounds like, from from what I understand about the real um, St. Nick, uh, St. Nicholas, uh, there was a lot to to admire about his, his, his ministry and his... His life and and again, like you said, I mean, it's it's hard to know this far out, you know, what actually is, uh, you know, true in, in the sense of um, historical fact. But um, if, if you take it away from like Santa Claus and you know bring it down to ground level, that there was this guy who was living in the what was it three hundreds, um, you know, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to to think that there was like one person that he had such a life that it became so, like. Can you imagine like living a certain way, and then thousands of years later, <laughs> you just blow up into this like this figure that's bigger than life itself? You know that that's b- bigger than the, like kids everywhere. Anyways, it's fascinating stuff. It is fascinating. I just I like my favorite. I think was. Uh, the patron saint of pawnbrokers. Yeah. Like I didn't know there was such a thing. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, <laughs> That's good. Pawnbrokers. They need one, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so. Brewers. Hey, you hey, know That's good. why not? That's good. Brewers. Yeah. Yeah. And and brewing and, brewing actually has been a um, it's been a part of the church. I mean, I don't know if people know that or not, but brewing was a big part of of uh, some parts of the church. Ancient church. Dude, monks. Yeah, depending mm-hmm. on your location, it was. Oh, was I doing a brewery? Yeah. Was I doing a winery or whatever? Yeah. But those monasteries, often that was how they, yeah. they uh, took care of themselves. That's right. Um, but yeah, and so yeah, I think you're were, you're were right. Just the 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 list tends to lend itself. I know sailors have a reputation. <laughs> I'm sure merchants in the ancient world, <laughs> Ar- archers. I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, I guess. Uh, and when I think of an archer, I mean, sometimes I know I've read things where those are the the guys who are kind of not brave and wanting to be on the front line type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love the repentant thieves. <laughs> yeah. I wonder who's the patron, patron saint of unrepentant thieves. Repentant thieves. I don't know. Do they get one? <laughs> That's like... I, I like I like that the the assumption isn't that all sailors, merchants, and archers are just like need to repent, um, <laughs> even though they have a reputation. Yeah, right. and then like children makes the list, and I loved it because I it was like one of the, it's like what, reading one of those sin lists from Paul. Yeah, where you're like, yeah, all these this is the riffraff, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're like disobedient to parents. You're like, oh no, and like here it's like children. Dang it! Like right next to <laughs> repentant thieves, brewers, and un. Unmarried people, students. I guess students. Oh, they've got a reputation. Students. These days too, but. Yeah, I wonder what that. Huh. And I, I wonder, what, like, when all of those got attached to him, right? You know that that that's what. Because I guess that that probably happened over the centuries, where they had different popes had to say, okay, this is the patron saint of so and so. But anyways, I'll have to look. Is well, I got I got to like see some different things. Who's the patron saint of of clergy? I guess we'll have to, I don't know, maybe. Just kind of think yeah. about, oh, anyways, I'll have to look that up sometime. Google who my patron saint is in the different areas of, of my my life. Yeah. But anyway, folks, St. Nicholas, again, the guy who gave rise to the legend of Santa Claus. Uh, I think it's worth remembering that yeah. I, I, got, I know people debate, like, should we celebrate Santa? We shouldn't we? Yeah. I think it's it's good because we can point back to, hey, this, this is rooted in a, a figure who actually did like really care about people, um, wanted to be generous towards, again, vulnerable people, uh, seems to be somebody who would have represented Jesus yeah. fairly well. Yeah. Um, and so if they're, if you're looking for ways to just not pitch the whole idea, I think, uh, again, going back and doing a little research yeah. um, and just pointing back to him as a figure. Because, uh, again, guy who kind of lived out his faith a little bit. So right. thanks, St. Nick. Thanks. Appreciate you. Now this is connected a little bit to this, like this. fascinating. This day is in good. History. It is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is Tuesday, December fifth. If you're if you're interested in reading more about it, I don't know that we want to celebrate this one, but we'll see. <laughs> it's Krampusnacht. Krampusnacht, which means Night of Krampus, I believe. 
but it's celebrated on December 5th every year across Germany and other European co- countries and Australia. And so it occurs the night before the Feast of St. Nicholas, which is why I kind of connected uh, St. Nick to this, a night when people dress up as the devil Krampus and chase naughty children through the streets. So the children are, are told off by Krampus and give bundles of rutin, which is a cluster of twigs, uh, so that they don't forget Krampus after he leaves. Um, this holiday is becoming increasingly popular in America as well because it captures a little bit of the excitement and spookiness of Halloween right before the Christmas season. Um, so I don't know, Ben. How, how do you think we should feel about a holiday where dads drink schnapps Dress up like a devil and smack kid with sticks. Well, thinking about some of the issues in the public school, we'd probably need a little bit of something to scare the kids straight these days. Um, That's right. They're not getting it at home. I mean, and a good kind of scare, not like like a bad kind of scare. I mean, you know, a little bit of a, a fear of, of, of authority or something. But um, now this brought me to remembrance of a particular TV show uh, that – I don't know if you're thinking of the same thing I'm thinking of. Uh, Belschnickel. Um, Belschnickel. <laughs> so I looked it up from the office when when Dwight comes into uh, the office Christmas party and he's dressed up as Belschnickel. <laughs> and Belschnickel is very, very similar to, uh, to this Krampus character. Uh, he okay. shows up. Um, he's kind of looks like he's coming out of the woods, you know. Mm. He's got a beard. He's got like brown leather fur on, you know, whatever. And then he goes around and he's got that that thing of sticks, the bundle of sticks. Yeah. And he's he's supposed to. The idea is, uh, I mean, there's so many different legends and there's so many different iterations yeah. of this. Like every country has their own like Belschnickel um, and in um, like Austria has their anyway. So it's all different names, very similar. But in some instances, this alter ego it, it, it's some some see it maybe as an alter ego of saint nick um who sort of mm. goes um with saint nick in, in a sense and is sort of the one who not only gives coal you know like there's the idea that he gives coal to kids right. that are bad but instead they get a, a you know swat on the hand or something like that from <laughs> from that bundle of sticks um and so either it's like a dark side of of saint nick or it's um, this other person that's sort of the, the yin and the yang, I guess, um, sure. you might you might say. So uh, really, really fascinating. And I, I thought that Belschnickel was fake because I thought it was just an invention of The Office, the, the show. And I Googled it, and no, it's 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 real. Like Southern Germany, it's it's he's a real character. So um, <laughs> going around uh, asking, uh, seeing if kids have been uh, admirable or impish. And uh, and so if they've been admirable, then they get a little gift. And if they have been impish, then they get a swat from the sticks. Uh, my, now, my, my mom kind of sort of related here. St. Nicholas Day in on the 6th, December 6th in Germany. And I don't know where else in Europe. Uh, what the kids do is they put their shoes out. Um, and uh, St. Nick will leave gifts and candy and different things in their shoes. So we did that growing up on uh, St. Nicholas the feast of saint nicholas so we we did that so anyways really interesting interesting stuff here but it is uh and and, and you know here's the other i i've noticed the rise of this krampus knocked it's like saint joe has this um has these these krampus knocked parties and oh really yeah and and i'll, I'll tell you this i mean they're, they're pretty risque uh it's, it's sort of the alternative community <laughs> it's pretty yeah. it's pretty dark stuff uh from what from what i can tell um, so I'm not a huge fan of, of it of it gaining steam and, and traction, um, but uh, you know for some people it may be harmless and and a little bit of fun. But um, anyways, just seeing some of the advertisements for some of the, sure. I don't think people need more of an excuse to uh, to dabble around, <laughs> you know, no, yeah. into some of these things. So, well, and it's interesting because I mean I I get the impression that this was probably again some pagan celebration that. Yeah as Christianity kind of mm. came through yeah. Europe, kind of syncretism happened and there's, there's some blending together. Cause Good it's point. really interesting to see like the different elements where you're like, okay, they they like tried to like redeem what was probably kind of a, a little dark holiday or sure. again, the communities adopted. I mean, I think 
dads probably do like to discipline their kids and drink schnapps. Um, so it seems to be one that maybe was <laughs> easily adopted. Natural. But yeah, like you said, it's probably got some <laughs> some roots that are a, a little dark. And it I, it's just interesting because it always raises that tension when the gospel hits a culture, what should stay, what should go, what can be redeemed, yeah. what should be put off and yeah. it's just one of those it's uh, the the remnants of it is a reminder of how those things get get entangled and I'm I don't have answers for what the right way to deal with all <laughs> sure. of that is but it's just yeah. another one of those little moments where yeah. you're like oh right there it is yeah very probably similar to halloween there's the idea that you had this um pagan religion that then the christians came in and they were they wanted they were celebrating all saints day and so you kind of had yeah you know, this mixture of that and then also like december 25th christmas um december 25th yeah. is noted to be the birth date of all of these various deities and 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 gods and stuff and so again i, I mean it just makes sense that the christians would have came in and said well this is probably a good time to overshadow all of that with the birth of of the son of right. God kind of thing. So not, not necessarily that it's all bad. It just makes you, makes you think a little bit. Yeah. What thing. was the, there was one of the early church fathers had like when it taught, like talking about Christmas is like only pagans celebrate the days of their birth. <laughs> um, pagans like Herod or whatever. And it was just kind of interesting to go like, Oh, like the whole Christmas thing was not something that was adopted for, wholesale across the the church early on uh, which is always kind of fascinating yeah again that doesn't yeah. make it right sure. or wrong sure. folks we'll just kind of throw yeah. it out there uh mm-hmm. like operate through these things uh in wisdom uh but yeah anything that probably celebrates uh demons or devils is probably something that we should look a little sideways at i suppose but <laughs> Be a little leery of yeah there <laughs> <laughs> you go so anyway folks krampusnat and the feast of saint nicholas uh have again something to a hole to fall down this week if you want. There to. you go. So we kicked off our uh, Advent season this uh, week, and uh, you guys are doing a series called, well, kind of based off of that. Uh, how do I want to say it? revised hymn, if you will? Yeah. Almost. Uh-huh. Um, oh, come all you unfaithful. Yeah. And this week you talked about that line. Oh, come all you barren and waiting. Mm. And you kind of camped in, I think, First Samuel 1, uh, 10 through 18, the story of Hannah, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, so I got some quotes and some follow-up questions yeah. uh, from your sermon. Sure. And so you were, you at the beginning, uh, just in, in talking about, I think, setting up the whole series, you had this line that Jesus didn't come for the faithful. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? That's... Like that is, we we need to grab onto that for a moment and talk about it. Yeah. Um, and so why one why is this such an important truth to hang on to, and what are some wrong, like ways of thinking that can creep into our hearts and mind when we forget that truth? Hmm. I um, the first time I heard "Oh Come All You Unfaithful," I thought it was a rendition of the traditional hymn. And so I turned it on YouTube and it was like two, two or three years ago. And then the, the, that first line just caught me off guard. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's unfaithful. And so I realized that this is a different song entirely. And then it just made a dent in my heart, man. I mean, mm. like, and watch, if you watch the YouTube video, they, they use uh, people that I assume they're going through some real things in their life because they're, as it's, as they're singing about all of these, these, conditions and, and um, brokenness in people's lives, they're sort of panning on, on different people who are going through those, those difficult times. And, uh, and so then it made me think, I was like, oh my, so we've been singing this song, Oh Come All You Faithful, for, for all of this time, and it just, I don't know why, I've never really thought about that, but you know, mm-hmm. there is that idea that um, when, when we sing, Oh Come All You Faithful, what are, what are, what are we saying uh, about ourselves? Are we saying anything about ourselves or are we just saying something about um, what we want to be, that we want to be faithful? And, and so anyways, this song really touched in, into the core of, of my heart. And um, yeah, I, th- I think if, if we forget, um, all of us as Christians, if we forget that um, we are just as unfaithful as 
the person next to us and the people all around us. And any given Sunday in any church that we're in, if, if we forget that we're all on the same level of, of, of sin and unfaithfulness, uh, then pride uh, mm. often is is the the fruit of, of that forgetfulness. Um, mm. Pride or, you know, self-righteousness, um, mm. or the kind of judging that's just not not helpful, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a certain sense in which if, if we judge others while understanding who we are, having a right concept of our own brokenness, then perhaps we, we can do that a little more um, Christ-like. Um, but I, I think those are some of the uh, reasons why it's important to keep sort of, of a hold on, you know, our, our who we are, um, and, and why Christ, why Christ came. Amen. It's like he said, I didn't, I didn't come for the healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just that reminder that the fact that Jesus did come. Right. Tells us something about our spiritual condition. That's so true. Um, and so I cling to that. Now, I, I really liked how you used the image of like barrenness in your message. Yeah. Because uh, again, as uh, look, I'm a 40 year old man. Hannah's story of again not being able to bear a child yeah. might not resonate, but I really yeah. like that you helped invite no matter what people's mm-hmm. circumstances into yeah. that that feeling and that sense that she might have had. And so you you talked about barrenness in a series of ways how it manifests itself. What are some ways that you think that we can sense that? Uh, just in, as individuals, but even also as as communities. Mm, yeah, um, I, th- I think some of the ways that we experience brokenness or a barrenness um, in our lives, and obviously, and I, I pointed out that there may be some that yeah, you, you are uh, waiting for a child of of your own, your first child or mm. whatever. Maybe you've had a child, but continue to experience. Um, difficulties getting pregnant. But then beyond that, you know, for those of us that aren't women or who don't experience that, it could be things such as, as addictions. Um, it could mm-hmm. be things uh, such as um, forced changes upon ourselves that sort of rip some things away from our grasp that um, were, were important to us. Um, we, we've had a few folks in the church who've lost some jobs recently. And so I knew when I was writing that message, it was going to hit pretty deep with them. Um, I talked a little bit about, um, how sometimes that, that barrenness in our lives can look like losing a loved one, uh, losing a friendship. Uh, I mean, there's so many different, different ways that, that, that barrenness, that, that emptiness in our life really creeps up and, and it taunts us, um, Mm. in, in, in a way, because what we're, the other part of the, the message was talking about those who are barren and waiting and, there's this idea that when, when we are sort of going through the barrenness of life, barren days, I use the analogy of barren landscape. So going through Western Kansas and mm. like nobody wants to drive through Western Kansas. And so the speed limit is 75, but everybody goes 90 miles an hour. People call that flyover country because you <laughs> want to get through that as fast as possible. Um, mm. I Another illustration for barrenness was I pointed out that our, our trees on the platform were, were not lit. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I said, you know, the, it, there's, it's intentional. I said, if you're feeling bothered by that, good. I want you to be bothered because, <laughs> you know, I pointed out that oftentimes what's going like what happens in the stores it, when they go from one holiday to the next and there's very little downtime between mm. one and the next. Like there's very few times where you go in the store and there's not some big display telling you of what's coming up next. And, and so I pointed out how that's basically that's advertisers cashing in on our desire as humans to sort of just fly through the barren days of life, the mm. ordinary days of life, to go mm. from one celebration to the next celebration to the next celebration because we can't handle um, those just ordinary days where there's nothing really special going on. Um, and so we're always like pushing forward to that. And so I talked about um, sort of finding God in the midst of those barren days and those barren moments um, and and not feeling like we have to rush out of mm. there because that's God wants to find us. And, and oftentimes that's where we do find God if we're looking for him 
in those moments um, where it's mm. where we might not expect him to be. Uh, amen. Well, and that's like, and when you started to kind of move your message into that waiting piece, it was kind of, you started to really develop that idea. Yeah. And you talked about, I, I liked the, the phrase about having room for Jesus yeah. and seeing yeah. the, that waiting period mm. or that barrenness mm-hmm. as, again, there, it, it creates almost a hunger or a space or a yearning or a longing in us yeah. that I, I just think I, to jump back up to your first point that Jesus didn't come for the, for the faithful. Yeah. You know, it, it was the people that saw themselves as self-righteous mm-hmm. or able to a, attain a right relationship with God that missed Jesus because they That's didn't so have true. any room for him. Yeah. And so yeah. how else does that idea of, mm-hmm. of waiting or having room for Jesus really transform how we view or see that barrenness that we have in our lives. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a way to sort of redeem um, mm. those those situations. Um, I'm reading a book right now by Drew Dick. Have you heard of him? So mm-hmm. he is a writer for for Moody Publishers. I want to say okay. he's done stuff with Moody and he's done stuff with Christianity Today. But the book is called uh, Just Show Up. And uh, it's a book for burned out Christians or something along those lines. That's the subtitle mm. of, of the book. And he's he was talking about Moses and how Moses, like th- when he, he pointed out that there's two different places in, in Scripture that says Moses, one, when he was young and he was in Pharaoh's house, it says that he was well-educated and well-spoken or something along those lines, right? And then you get to the most people when they think of Moses, they think of a man who couldn't speak one because he you know, because he stuttered, and that doesn't come until later on, till after he spent forty years in the wilderness. Mm. And so Drew Dick points out that that basically those forty years in the wilderness for Moses <laughs> tending sheep, and he really describes what that would have been like. <laughs> it's mm. all, it almost sounds unbearable of forty years of, of tending sheep. Um, and he says, it's no wonder Moses goes from from well-spoken to not, a, not, not being able to say much because he's been spending 40 years around sheep in, in this wilderness by himself. Mm. And uh, and so that's sort of this idea that, that God, he says, God had so much more of a, of a uh, person who was ready to follow his will in a Moses who went through those, those 40 years as opposed to this young, mm. strong, confident, well-educated, well-spoken person who who was before going in, into the wilderness, 20-year-old, 20, 20 you know, something along those lines, or I guess he would have been four. When, when does he go in the wilderness? Does he go in uh, so it's like uh, 40, yeah. Eight, yeah, so 40 to 80, okay. and then his ministry is like 80 to 120. Yeah. Because basically his life has three 40-year segments. There it is, yeah. So, so th- those and his his point with, with with that Drew Dick's point was that we would and probably Moses would have thought that those forty years were just um, just a waste, but all the while, day by day, God was shaping Moses into the person that he needed Moses to be in order to to be used by God in in a sense. And so mm. it's the same thing with with our brokenness, our barrenness, our our empty days. Like it's in those moments that we should never discount. We should never discount the days of I'm in between a job right now um and yes as tough as this is, what what is God doing in me that may be preparing me for the next job, you know, or mm. same thing with relationship i mean any any sort of thing that's missing in our life um any sort of thing where we feel incomplete i guess what w- the question we could ask ourselves is what is god doing in me or what does god want to do in me before i get to the next chapter hmm. of life yeah that's interesting that you bring up the the moses scene cuz i've i've been thinking about like the israel goes through a similar pattern and so when they go out into the wilderness, it's interesting. The first thing that happens after the song mm. of Moses is 
they come to these waters of Mars. So they check the canteens, oh, and they're yeah. like, oh, we don't have any water. <laughs> yeah. And the waters are bitter. And my my uh, pastor mentor used to do study tours. Uh, I told me, and I don't know if it's it's true or accurate, but like the waters have high levels of calcium and magnesium. Interesting. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it just gave him diarrhea. Um <laughs> And he he always he always made the phrase you know once God got Israel out of Egypt he had to get Egypt out of the Israelites. Nice. Um, and there there's something to that that like God there's something yeah. about those difficult wilderness seasons the yeah. barrenness and that just starts their journey in the wilderness because yeah. they're going to be there for forty years as yeah, well. Right. Like wow. you said that That's there's there's things that those seasons um, mm. just really. It rings out any sense of self-sufficiency, and like you said, it just it yeah. it hollows us out. So not yeah. not just to hollow us out, but right. that God could actually have room to put yeah. in what yeah. He needs to put in. For sure. And I just I loved yeah. uh, in your message where you mentioned the manger. Yeah, yeah, that was the really the connecting point that brought it home for me. Oh man, um, it was just it was a beautiful little image, man. and so thank you, man. I I hope if, again. Folks, this season, don't like you said. Don't like. Let's not just run to yeah. Jesus. Let's yeah. live in the place Israel was, and where we're actually still at yeah. in some ways as right. we await Jesus's return. That's right. Is to yep. to have some longing, mm. some pining, some yearning yeah. uh, for Jesus to return. Because I want. Right. I think it gives us empathy for what those people. Yeah who lived at the time of Jesus' first coming were experiencing. Absolutely. But two, that's, I think, what we're supposed to feel as we await his, his return. <laughs> yeah, as we live in between the, uh, the the initial arriving of the kingdom and waiting on the culmination of it, yeah. Yeah, so that's good. This is a hollowing out, I like that, hollowing out period. Oof. Oof. Amen. Good, man. I love it. It's fun. Uh, so what, what a good season. <laughs> Amen. Um, so we were in uh, Genesis 1 through 3, yes. and we're kind of exploring God with us, uh, the garden. And so I, I kind of started my message this week with showing a Christmas card uh, of Isaiah seven fourteen, right? Um, yeah. Talking about the, a child that will come, and you sh- his name shall be Emmanuel. And it was funny, because my, my boss, uh, again, he hung out with a, a lot of uh, me- messianic well, not Messianic Jews, just Jewish people. Yeah. And I remember hearing one time during the holiday season, a Jewish friend asked him, why do you put a verse about Maher Shalal Hashbaz <laughs> on your Christmas card? <laughs> and as a young Christian, I was like, what? That's what? not, that verse isn't about Jesus? <laughs> um, and so I went back and looked, and it's true, right? This this child is given uh, as a sign to Isaiah the prophet and to King Ahaz that is basically a countdown clock to the demise of the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, and and it, like his his name in Isaiah eight is supposed to be Maher Shalal Hashbaz, which means like swift to the spoil, quick to the booty. It's, <laughs> it's like what it's like that Ichabod uh, name, okay. like the glory departs. This yeah. is not you know faith or hope. Not a good. Uh, uh-huh. this, this is not one of those positive <laughs> names. Um, but it was interesting. So I like over the years I've kind of uh, dug into that, yeah. and it's because Matthew quotes or yeah. yeah Matthew quotes it in his gospel and and says the events of Jesus's birth mm. kind of were a fulfillment of that yeah and so how is it that Matthew does that yeah and actually I don't think you have to pull the lens out very far because if you look at Isaiah 7 to 11 um, you see this like development of, of the theme of this wonder child because mm. um, even in Isaiah 8 it's gonna that name Emmanuel is going to point to a hope beyond the crisis. Um, in chapter nine, again, that child, a wonderful counselor, mighty God, right? The, mm. These are other verses we use. Chapter 11, a, a shoot uh, from the stump of Jesse, yeah. right? Clearly connected to the Davidic Messiah. Yeah. And so both Isaiah himself, I think, sees this figure as connected to much larger than the immediate political crisis of the eighth century. And Matthew, I think, rightly draws uh, on that as pointing forward to the Davidic Messiah, sure. which was fulfilled in Jesus. And so I just thought it would be fun to explore, yeah. again, this idea yeah. of God with us from Genesis to Revelation. And so we went That's back good. to the garden. And my big idea this week was just that God created the cosmos to be with us. Mm. 
And I started by showing kind of there's these obstacles to life flourishing um, at the beginning of the creation narrative. Mm. Uh, that the earth is formless and void, right? Tohu va bohu in the, the Hebrew. <laughs> Fun little rhyme. I love it but when you speak Hebrew to Basically, me. <laughs> it means like unordered and empty or, or uninhabited. Yeah. And so the days of creation, one through three, God kind of orders these spaces. So he'll um, kind of speak, he'll separate, and then name. So he gets, the, you know, mm-hmm. separates the light from dark, uh, uh, speaks, let there be light, separates light and dark, names it day and night. Um, speaks the waters divide, right? He calls, creates the expanse, names it the skies and the seas, speaks the waters gathered one place, dry land uh, appears. And so that's days one, two, and three. And then in days four, five, and six, he fills those spaces. So the day and the night he fills with the host of heaven. Um, the si- seas in the sky, he on day five, he fills with the birds and the fish. And then day six, the creeping things, the, la- the, the cattle, and, and ultimately humans, who I think are depicted kind of as the crown jewel of creation. Mm-hmm. And so he does all of this, right? He forms it all, he fills it all. And then on day seven, he rests. And the idea of rest in the ancient world really is this idea of God moving into a, yeah. like a temple yeah. or a house or a dwelling place. Right. And so I think what the narrative is driving at is God ordered the entire cosmos so that he could come and dwell with humans, yeah. that that's that's what it's driving at, yeah. and so what a, a mind blowing mm. thing that God would create everything just because He wants to hang out with us. Yeah, no kidding. I think it's really right. beautiful, uh, and so from there we kind of just w- went through and we looked at some different aspects of what did it mean to be in God's presence mm. or to be uh, with God, and so in, in the garden, right, we saw that it was a partnership that it was God tells. Uh, the humans, male and female, that hey, you're made in my image. I'm gonna, I'm inviting you to rule, share in my authority, steward over creation, and you do that by um, being fruitful and multiplying and subduing the earth. And so, I, I just made the point that when we think of being in God's presence, we should think about partnering God mainly through. Mm-hmm our relationships and yeah. our work and right. whether that's our nine yep. to five job or, you know, our yeah, hobby or whatever we put into the world. And so, mm-hmm. the, and I just, I, when I think of being in God's presence, Ben, I don't normally think of child rearing and 12 hour shift with a shovel, <laughs> no. but, but I think, I actually think yeah. Genesis one invites us to see God in those ordinary things right? right. Uh, and to partner with him in it. So that was kind of point one. Mm. Point two, I just kind of showed how the garden was this place of plenty. One, mm-hmm. it's a garden in a land called Delight or Eden. Mm-hmm. And then out of that is this river that flows to the four of them, which I think is like the four winds. In other words, it's the source of abundance and life for all of the earth. And I love that mm-hmm. the places that are mentioned, uh, all those places in, later in the biblical narrative are going to be where Israel's enemies live. So the, the first one, Havilah, is the Sinai Peninsula. You've got Kush, which is northern Egypt, mm-hmm. the Egyptians and the Pharaoh and the Exodus. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, Assyria, uh, Ashur or Assyria, and then the Euphrates is the Babylon area. Mm. And so the, the, really the four major conflict sources of conflict. Interesting. The, the, gar, the, gar, the garden narrative is saying God is the source of life even for those, wow, those wow. people. Yeah, um, a good reminder. And, so God, it, and that's just the idea that in, in mm. God's economy, you know, before we chose to rebel against it, there was plenty for everyone, including mm. those who would live in places or become Israel's enemies. And then lastly, I, I kind of pointed out that God's mm. presence is a place full of people. And I find it so significant that Adam's there with God in the garden. Um, they have a relationship, and God says it's not good. Mm. That, that's a profound yeah. thing, because yeah. there's this idea that uh, apart from other humans, even our relationship with God, like God wants us to have more than just even Him. Yeah. And yeah. so I, th- when I think of God's presence, I often think of getting alone with God sure. or solitude. And <laughs> yeah. I think there's a place for That's that. True. Jesus needed to do it, yeah. and so I think we probably need to do it. Sure. But but when we think of God's presence as only being alone with Him, yeah, I actually think we're running to, to a lot a counter to what yeah. a lot of what the Bible teaches is that a lot of our discipleship and our relationship with God is lived out in yeah. community. That's good. Yeah. Amen. Um, 
Mm. So we went over that. And then lastly, we kind of just turned the page to mm. kind of set up the rest of the series to talk about when we chose to listen to the voice of the serpent, mm. rebel against God, the price was God's presence. Yeah. Because yeah. um, there's one, they hide themselves from God. Yeah. What used to be this beautiful partnership was now marked by mistrust and doubt and fear. Mm. And then ultimately the exile from the garden is is where that narrative kind of lands. And so uh, fortunately for us, there's this story of God's relentless pursuit to, to regain yeah. that relationship. Um, but that, yeah. that was kind of what I preached on this week. And so mm. I don't know, I'll just throw it out there. What, what are some amazing, what's amazing about mm. thinking about God creating the whole universe just to be with humans? I, it really makes sense that we can look around and be so awestruck at, at what, what's around us and that mm. it, it, there's a reason why it never gets old and there's a reason why we can go through, you know, hundreds of, of fall seasons in our lifetime or maybe not hundreds, <laughs> I guess <laughs> That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that you can go through, you know, all of these Man, different. It's gonna be old. <laughs> gonna live up into my hundreds. Uh, that's true. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's just there's just something about um, looking around. There's so much, so much beauty around us, and mm-hmm. and and to think that every every space, every square inch of this planet was created with, with purpose in mind. Mm. And, um, yeah, no, I think that's such a, such a beautiful concept. And, and as you pointed out the, the seventh day, the, the resting, mm. um, you know, moving into creation, I, I don't know about you guys, but I know the times where, when we've moved from one house to the other, there's always that moment of at the end of your move in day, you know, all of you have all these helpers and they get things set up and it's, it's a long day, but then you have that moment probably in the evening or something where you just have a, have a time to sit down on whatever furniture is set up in your, mm. even if everything isn't, you know, as you want it, there's just that moment of sitting down and like, like you're resting in that moment is I'm I'm home. Like this mm. this is this is now home. This is our new spot of of life together, you know. And and so that that image that that visual sort of came to my mind as you were you were talking about that. And um so yeah, what a Well, isn't it amazing that a god who again sits in heavenly places who transcends <laughs> yeah. our understanding of reality yeah. would want to dwell with that. Like yeah. that is just Right. And spe- I, my, my yeah. son was asking he's like, "Why?" And I'm like, I don't know. I just think it's really awesome that it's true. Yeah, and especially as, as our understanding of how vast the universe is, mm. and how tiny of a of a of a Earth is in comparison to everything else, mm. um, and regardless if there's life anywhere else in the universe, that still doesn't negate the the beauty and and the fact that. Um, this solar system, this um, even this galaxy was set up f- for us to live and to get to know our God and for our God to um, one day walk with us mm-hmm. in, in this creation renewed, in this creation restored. Mountains and jungles and hopefully no humidity in the new creation. Although I hope that's just a, a part of the fall, though. So... <laughs> So that's ah, <laughs> right, dude. It does get rough. I don't miss Florida. I'll be honest. Definitely, definitely um. part of the fall there. Um, I, I mean, as 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 kind of talked through those uh, those other like sub truths, if you will, like yeah. the idea of of partnership or or plenty, or the mm. the idea that there's just people in God's presence. Is there was there any one that you're like ah oh, that was that resonated, that's worth another cup of tea or something? Oh yeah, I mean basically number two, God's presence is a place of plenty. It's mm. sort of the opposite of, of what I talked about with barrenness. Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, we we have our barrenness, our emptiness, and God. When God, when when we make space for God in our life and we yield ourselves to God to His mm. Spirit, He brings what we need. 
he, you know, right. whatever that is. And I don't know what it is for, for everybody, but I do know it's a sense of, it's a sense of peace. It's a sense of purpose. It's a sense of being connected. It, you know, then your next point is about God's presence is, is full of people. And I do like the point mm. that you made bet about how, you know, oftentimes when we think of being in God's presence, we primarily think just us by ourselves connecting with God, which as you mentioned, is, is a thing, but then also like if we miss out on God's presence with the people around us, um, then we will miss out in a sense on, on a part of who God is because God has given the people in our lives gifts that we ourselves don't have. Um, and, and we need them to use their gifts and, and minister to us just as the people in our life need us to exercise our gifts um, yeah. as a representative of Christ to them. Um, yeah. In essence, when, when we are using our gifts to serve one another, we are basically Jesus serving Jesus in, in, in a sense. That's what Brian Zahn said, uh, said um, on uh, Christ the King Sunday, which I thought was an interesting uh, thing to say. But Yeah. So- well, I had shared this little um, parable uh, called The Lonely Ember. Um, and I don't know who the author is, but it's basically the story of this guy who had kind of removed himself from Christian community. And the pastor comes and visits him, and the guy invites him down. They sit down. The pastor doesn't say anything. They're sitting by a fire. And um, what the pastor does at one point is pulls a, a coal out of the, the fire and kind of sets it by itself um, and just sits there. Mm. And it slowly cools and turns a cold ashen gray. Yeah. And then after a little bit, he picks it up, he puts it back in the fire, and it heats back up, gets all hot. And then he just goes to the door, and the guy on his way out says, Pastor, thank you for the visit uh, and the fiery sermon. I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> and I, I think it's a cute little parable. The, the yeah. reality is that relationships often, I think, are the cause of much hurt and mm. not help in our lives, but that's not the way God created it yeah. and intended it. And we have this bad tendency of when we feel distance from God, we distance ourselves from the the community of faith. Yeah. Yeah. And I think how God is going to make his presence felt is often through those, those people yep. and pressing in. And I loved it. I got a, a text from somebody uh, who he wasn't, he hadn't been missing church or anything, but he had just kind of been, been in a spiral of, of negativity in his own heart and mind. And he said Sunday was just, it was like the cure, um, that he walked away from the service just feeling so much better. Um, and it was, it was great because it was like one, it's like a truth that you preached on that actually like somebody like happened in the life and heart of a person that day. (laughs) Um, Uh, and it's just, I I think we, we need to remember that, that when we like feel distance from God, one of the primary ways that he will make his mm. presence felt again is just through the people of God. Yeah. And the yeah. devil's, a, I mean, he's a liar, man, and he'll get us. Yeah. He'll get us to stay home, yeah. sit on our couch by ourselves. And, right, um, right. And, and, and oftentimes, just waiting. Well, I'll wait till I feel the Spirit of God again oh, before man. I go to church. No, no. That's, we, yeah, you that's just when get, you need it most. That's when vulnerability sets in, when, when you're yeah. away from, from people and, and um, that's, yeah, that's when Satan's voice has the potential to be so much more louder and, and convincing. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, if, if, if you're someone out there that you're not connected and, and um, you know, maybe it's been a while and, and you feel, well, if I step in church, it's going to feel awkward or, you know, like, forget forget all that. I mean, really, I'm, I know how Wyatt Park is, and, and I have a pretty good feeling that Harvest is, is a church as well, that if you've been missing in, in action for a little bit, just step foot back in, and you won't believe um, how good it feels to to experience God's presence through looking into the faces of the little little Jesuses that are there. Man, I mean, my goodness, what a! I mean, I just think about my experience in the, in the church, and oftentimes, I don't know about you, but Aaron, but as as a pastor, sometimes we just think of our connection to the church as you know, this is what we do to earn a living and stuff. But then there's so many times where I'm just reminded. That, um, gosh, it's, it's so much deeper than that. Like for, for those who think that pastors just do it for the money. Um, if, if, if you're the kind of church that Wyatt park and harvest is, I'm telling you it's, it's when, when you gather in that place and you 
let the spirit of God work through you and through your hospitality, through your warmth, through the way that you reach out to people who are there and people who aren't there. Um, I mean, it just makes such a big difference. So please don't ever give that up. It's, it's more important to me. And this is what I try to tell folks. It's more important than your style of, of worship. It's more important about than having the right lights or the right, you know, having a fog mm-hmm. machine or being the most current or like the most important thing that, that the church can do is, is to, to let the presence of God be felt through your interactions with people on, if it's on Sunday morning, then let it be on Sunday morning or if it's some other day of the week. God's presence, baby. God's presence. That's good. There we go. Look forward to diving into this some more and, and seeing <laughs> how these, these series go. Yeah. Well, brother. Yeah. Final thoughts before we land the plane this week or next week is so Advent two is hope. Well, no, peace. I'm sorry. Peace. peace. Yep. So hope, hope was was yep. Hope so peace is coming up. And uh so what's what's your topic on the coming Tabernacle up? Temple. Nice, nice. That's really cool. Yeah, and it, I, I I have a it'll be fun. That'll be good. I look forward to hearing hearing thoughts on that message then. Absolutely. And I'm trying to think I, I off the top of my head I'm forget something. I think it's uh broken and no broken and bitter. Anyways. It's gonna be one of those from one of those verses from O Come All You Faithful for us this Sunday. So you mean unfaithful. Unfa- oh yeah, unfaithful. That's right. <laughs> uh, there you go. Barren and waiting. Weak, is it weak and unstable? Weak and unstable. Bitter, or bitter and broken. Maybe it's I think I think it's I think Cindy has the bitter and broken. I think I have weak and unstable. Uh, no, no, no. Anything? I have um let me see. Guilty and hiding? Because I'm doing uh, guilty and hiding will be the last one. Anyways, it's one of those. So I know guilty and hiding is the last one because I'm gonna do the garden and also the woman at the well who's uh, who's hiding. So that'll be fun. That'll yeah. that'll our, I can see our messages kind of probably colliding a little bit there. Tying together this cool. week's pretty good. Nice. I love it. Sweet dude. All right. Well, folks, blessed be and beware of those bears. <laughs> Grace and peace out.